the wrestling podcast about nothing is brought to you by bda radio bda radio doesn't break news they break the news with their wild commentary regarding mma and wrestling head on over to bdaradio.com and check out all of the latest news on the ufc bellator wwe and much more they are proud to be the voice of fans because they are fans themselves bdaradio.com I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing episode 23 presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring, and joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, the irresistible force, the immovable object. He refused to wear a mask to record this podcast today, the Kingpin. Brian Malonis. Always finding something, Mike. Here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm playing injured today. I'm, I'm all banged up from the weekend, and you're going you're gonna to come at me like that. I don't really appreciate it. Well, there's a little story attached to this we can get into quickly here. Uh, back to Tommy Dreamer, right? Oh, boy. Uh, the same camp that we mentioned uh, a little while ago where we talked about uh, you don't know a guy named Jim and that the fact that... Uh, <sighs> Did we even mention that one before? <laughs> yeah. So well, let's tell the story. <laughs> so, you said that Vader was your uh, favorite for some wrestler. some inexplicable reason, I said that Vader is my favorite wrestler. I still right. to this day don't have any clue why, because Vader has never been my favorite wrestler. Right. And but then also, uh, I worked a... I forget who I even wrestled. I wrestled a match at the camp or whatever, and uh, and I was working very hard to lose weight and try to get in shape, and I thought I at least looked respectable, and Tommy Dreamer told me I... Look like I don't even know a guy named Jim, so fuck you, Tommy Dreamer, for that. Oh boy, and uh, <laughs> and um, no, it's a shitty thing to say. Screw that. I know I've run into Dreamer a bunch of times or whatever, and I, you know, you know, I don't hate Tommy Dreamer. It's just you know, fuck you for saying that. That's a really shitty thing to say to a guy who's trying hard to to lose weight, and I was really busting my ass in the gym right. and. One thing I pride myself on actually is my like my facial expressions, which I think are very good. And Tommy Dreamer had to be fair to me work one six minute match, and then all of a sudden he says something about me getting a mask. And at that point in time, uh, whatever WWE said, you know, it was it was expected um, was law. Yeah, exactly. Which you know, bull, you know, bull poopy. You know, I don't want to oh swear boy. too much right in the you first. You just like, said two fucks. Yeah, I know. You're, you're, uh, you're boo Bullshit. <laughs> like, I wasn't, there's no way I was wearing a mask. I had no interest in wearing a mask. Covering those dimples. Come on. Ja- Jamie from Chaotic wanted to, you know, he was all about it because WWE had said it and I refused. It ended up in a, like, a pretty good fight with Jamie over it. Um, you know, I flat out refused and, 
Yeah, so I didn't want to wear a mask. And, and there were some ribs involved for people. Like, yes, uh, Todd thought, it, uh, Handsome Johnny thought it would be funny to, uh, we had the chaotic 8x10s. He had you, you were, you perpetrated this because you're an asshole. I don't remember. Come on, some Photoshop had to be done. So <clears throat> uh, Photoshop me with some sort of silly mask on, on my 8x10s or whatever. And Someone attempted to put a mask on you in the ring as well, I Yes, believe. Alex Arion. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so... Yeah, t- by the way, Tommy Dreamer thought I should, after seeing me wrestle one time for six minutes, thought I should put on a mask, and uh, long story short, Jamie thought it was the greatest idea in the world, so. <laughs> All right, so I'm glad we can get that nice story out of the way. Yeah, thanks. You put me in a bad mood now. It's not bad <laughs> I'm sitting here in pain, but now, you know, now, you know, you're putting me in a bad mood, so thanks a lot. I'm going to take it out on our guest now. I'll probably be surly to him tonight. Oh, my goodness. All right. New episodes of this podcast are available every Monday on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, and, of course, BDARadio.com. Also, you can listen to us over the air every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern on the Podcast Radio Network. Go to PodcastRadioNetwork.net or download the Crikey Premium Radio app. That's K-R-Y-K-E-Y, the Crikey Premium Radio app in the App Store or Google Play. That's Tuesday nights at 10 Eastern on the Podcast Radio Network. Now, we ask you, please do something for the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Those three S's, Brian, share, subscribe, and star rating. Please share our posts on Facebook, our tweets on Twitter. Retweet the links to those episodes when we put them up there. That gets the word out, gives more folks the opportunity to give us a listen. Also, be sure to subscribe to the feed on the podcast platform you're using right now. And take a minute, if you're on iTunes or Stitcher, to give us a star rating and also a review, if you'd be so kind. That is the best way to increase our exposure and help us grow. So please, do us a personal favor. Remember the three S's. Share our social media posts. Subscribe to the podcast feed. And please help us out with those star ratings. All right, Kingpin, this week on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, we'll be joined by one of our oldest friends in the wrestling business. He is a former Chaotic Wrestling referee and booker. And he's now Ring of Honor's head referee. He is Todd Sinclair, also known to us as Fat Pants. He will be here and will reminisce about the old days. We'll talk tons of Ring of Honor stuff, including the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, All-Star Extravaganza 8, coming to Lowell this Friday night, September 30th. And in addition to that, of course, we'll have Merv Griffin time, a promo about nothing, and a lot more. But, Brian, before we get into all that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Brett disses the architect? And no, Brian, Brian, no. I know what you're going to say. I don't mean Art Vandalay. <laughs> the other architect, Seth Rollins. We've heard about what Brett Hart has said, even his brother Smith Hart, what he had to say about Seth hurting people. Uh, but that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, Brian. What BDA Radio really means is the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news. They break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. BDARadio.com is the excellence of elocution. Oh, okay. You just got a big pop there, I think, from me. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Okay, Brian, enough of all this. We get a VSG here today. Yes, John, oh boy. 
<laughs> you always get something new and stupid. <laughs> a very special guest, of course. Very special. He is a very good friend of ours for a long time now. You are, you are a friend of Pants. <laughs> I definitely am. <laughs> Many of us are, but I am especially. And he is a former booker with Chaotic Wrestling, former referee with Chaotic Wrestling, and he is the head referee now of Ring of Honor. And his name, we know him as Fat Pants, but he is Todd Sinclair. Todd, it's lovely to have you here. Hello, hello. Hello. Are you ready for lots of inside jokes uh, yes. that none of our listeners will get? Yes. The whole, everybody is just going to hear us laugh and be confused and then shut this off. <laughs> but we'll listen to it. It'll yeah, we'll listen. I'll listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Brian, what's your first memory? When, when I say Todd Sinclair, what comes to mind? Well, I mean, obviously being a referee now, my first probably interactions with him, uh, Todd was training to wrestle. At the Chaotic Training Center? At the Chaotic Center? Training Center, yeah. He was in there do, doing drills. Uh, it's just forward rolls you wouldn't take? Is that like... Uh... No, I, I would take the forward rolls. Um, I wouldn't take anything like a backdrop. We, I remember we did backdrop class. I'm like, no effing way am I doing a backdrop. And then I one time did a double underhook uh, suplex. And my elbow hurt so bad. I'm like, I'm never taking another <laughs> one of those. Uh, but I, I trained to do all the wrestling. And I didn't sign up to be a wrestler. Uh, I signed up to be a ref. But I figured... The reason I'm going to wrestling school is to learn as much as possible. So why not learn how to wrestle? And I remember with I actually started going to the school before I had signed up to watch it. So we'd we'd sit and watch the class, and that's where I met you, Brian, because you were doing the same thing. You were coming with I think Cleon, yeah, and you maybe didn't have the money yet, or you're just wondering whether you should sign up or not. So we sat and watched a couple classes together before. One of us started, and then the other one started shortly thereafter, or, or something like that. But that's where I met you, sitting in the, huh. the little lounge. I have no part. recollection of this. Yeah, it's... the little lounge part of the <laughs> because I'm sitting there watching class, and then you'd leaned over and ask me a question. I'm like, "Shut up! I don't want to get yelled at by Hollow." <laughs> <laughs> I'm very friendly. Yes, <laughs> I, I remember uh, I, I I I wrestled a uh, show up in in Vermont uh, with I, I wrestled Delirious and El Generico was also on the show and. Obviously, they had known you from Ring of Honor, and I shared with them that you had trained to wrestle, and they were blown away by this. <laughs> like, yep, I don't, I don't show those skills often. Well, maybe not in the last 13 years, but every so often I'd jump into a Rumble or a Battle Royal. That's about it. That's all I do. Yeah. Um, well, I met you even a little before that, uh, Todd, before you came to the school and trained uh, as a referee. Um, you were in the front row. You would always be in the front row of shows. Uh, with uh, Mucko and Mike Jass, two uh, longtime fans uh, who in certain ways got into the business. And so you would be at uh, Chaotic Wrestling shows just yelling things at the wrestlers in the ring, um, giving them stink noses. Can you <laughs> yeah. describe what a stink nose is for the uh, people at home? It really is, is quite simple. Um, if we didn't like what someone was doing or we thought they were uh, terrible at their job, we would uh, hold our hand up in the air, bend at the elbow to bring our hand back down, take your pinky and index finger, and squeeze your nose. And uh, we would thus give someone a stink, uh, stink nose. We were very famous for that. Uh, we were really pain-in-the-ass fans back then. And uh, when I decided to train, I was pretty terrified people would kick the shit out of me because I was a jerk fan. Right, right. So how did that transition take place? I know there was a show that you were at 
I believe it was for Primal Conflict Wrestling, was it not? It, no? wa- it wasn't, no. It was, uh, I believe it was called Big East Wrestling. Okay. Um, me and uh, you, the aforementioned Mucko and uh, Mike Jass, but I used to hang out with Mucko. You know, we would drive to the shows. And uh, his name's Eric Arsenault. Uh, he's a, one of my best friends, and we'll mention him a lot here. But we used to go to all the indie shows in the area after ECW closed. Mm-hmm. Because once, once ECW closed and then you know, WCW closed, there was kind of a void for going to pro wrestling unless WWF is in town. So we would go to all the indie shows and we'd go to chaotic. We would go to primal conflict that you mentioned. We would, and we went to the show big East wrestling and one of our friends was on the show. Uh, George Carroll, he was wrestling on the show later on. I think it was in the main event or the second to last match. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. Why wouldn't it be, you know, top, <laughs> you know, top notch. But so we were at the show. This was in Clinton, Mass. in 2001. And uh, we're watching the show. And then at intermission, George came out to say hi to us. This is before his matches happened. And I had always wanted to ref, but it was more of a joke than anything else because I was terrified to do it. And uh, Mucko mentioned to George, why don't you have pants ref your match? And to me, that just was silly. And why would I ever do such a thing? But George says, if you want to do it i can make it happen and then everybody who was there talked me into it so in my beautiful jean shorts yes uh, i went backstage was given a uh, ref shirt that was maybe four sizes too small but let's say three <laughs> and i squeezed myself into this ref shirt and uh there are pictures <laughs> there are pictures <laughs> there are pictures I'm sure it'll get shared now on yes. the WPAN yeah, social we may media. see those on the at the wpa again on twitter yeah, so I uh, so I ref my first match that night. I paid for a ticket to go to the show, to ref on the show, and ha- had no training. So it was really the most ideal way to get into the wrestling business. So you don't even have like the hey, my sh- first show, I got a handshake and a hot dog. You actually paid yes. to work your first show. <laughs> yes, I got paid. I I, I paid maybe. $10, $15, yes, to be on the show. And am I right or wrong, but were there some obstructions in the ring while you were refereeing, or is this a different show I'm thinking of? I think that might be a different show. The only thing I remember, the two things I remember from that show, number one, uh, I've never been in the greatest shape in the world, um, but when I was in there, I I don't know if anybody's seen that MTV Real Life special where they tell the kid to breathe. Well, right. I didn't breathe while I was in there because I was so nervous, so I wasn't breathing as I was refing, so I had a massive purple face. Uh, so, purple face! Yeah, so I was getting heckled for having a purple face the entire match. By your friends. By, so by my by friends. By, by the people that I drove to the show with. Uh, so that's the first thing I remember. And the second thing I remember was a wrestler called Vertebraker uh, put lighting fluid on his leg, set it on fire, and did a leg drop from the second rope. And as he's doing it, number one, I didn't know it was coming. Number two, I was like... If he goes up in flames more than this, do I put it out or do I run away? (laughs) I didn't know. Uh, But those are the two things I remember. I don't remember the obstructions. That might be a different match. Like a thumbtack. I was thinking about. Oh, that was – I don't – I don't think that was that match. I think okay. that thumbtacks were, were other stuff. Back to the Flames for a second. Now, you've, you've been ref- refereeing for 15 years. I've had extensive training all over the world. Has that answer ever been taught to you? What to do if a guy goes completely no. up in flames? <laughs> no, and I, I, I paid him a good money for wrestling school, and nobody taught me about, about that. I'm really furious. Yeah, I'm furious. <laughs> Seems like first day type stuff. Right. So um, your first match with Chaotic Wrestling, correct me if I'm wrong, but... 
You main evented your first chaotic I, wrestling show. I did. I did main event. The, the referee-wise, I main evented the first, my first chaotic show. And there was a reason for this, because in the match that night was one uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Am I correct? Yes, it was, he was. And was it against Aaron Stevens? Yeah, Aaron Stevens, the chaotic teen idol who uh, became Damian Sandow. Now Aaron Rex in TNA. Um, so the reason that you got this spot, why don't you let us know? Uh, the the school hadn't opened yet. The chaotic school hadn't opened yet. Um, so I was doing here and there more shows, usually with George. George would, would get me booked at Primal Conflict, which is one of the companies that you mentioned earlier. And uh, so we were we would go to the chaotic shows as fans still. It was there's that fine line when you get into this where you kind of not sure if you should be a fan anymore but i was still going to a handful of shows here and there even though i was reffing other ones yeah so uh i was going to uh i was looking for a, a chance so so mucko again he, he uh, being brought up he mentioned to uh jamie from chaotic they had mentioned that they were bringing brutus beefcake for the next show and then mucko said well why don't you have pants ref his match and at the time, I had I had probably the same hairdo I have now, but I was going to actually cut all my hair off just because it was maybe summertime or close to it. But I just wanted to change my my beautiful look into something else. <laughs> and uh, so the idea was they would put Aaron in that match who had long hair. He wouldn't get the haircut. I would. So I offered to have my head shaved by Brutus Beefcake to get the chance to ref the match and get my shot at Chaotic. So I did. And you did. I did. I did. I, uh, a, a nice story about that. Um, that night, um, Brutus Beefcake was not available during the show because he was at the bar the whole night. Okay. <clears throat> so <laughs> I seem to recall this. Like the bar is on the other side of the yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. This is. I think this is Lawrence. Room. Yeah. Um, so the bar is on the other side of the building. <clears throat> and well, like the bar was so Lawrence the venue the bar was like even with the fans so he's just like drinking with the fans no all night? no uh, oh. or like the closed like the bar it that might was have been another the... sec like you know they put like the partition like they slide the partition it might have been like that I can't gotcha. remember exactly yeah the bar is on the uh, behind the uh, wall but there's yeah there's a window into the main hall right so he happened to be at the bar all night so I didn't I didn't see him until right before we went out and he he had, he had been drinking the whole time so. I didn't know anything about taking a bump at all because I hadn't gone to wrestling school yet. So he said, okay, uh, I'm going to throw you against the ropes and I'll grab you in the sleeper and that's it. And I'm because I didn't do it before, I didn't even know how to hit the ropes. Right. So I said, I told him, you know, I think that's the smart thing to do. I'm going to tell him what I don't know how to do. He said, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just punch you then. You, bu- <laughs> you bump. And then I'll I'll we'll do the haircut. I'm like, all right, that's fine. That's reasonable. Sounds, yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> I can I can try that. So the end happens. The finish happens of the match, and then he grabs Aaron Stevens, and then I kind of back. I get in the way of Brutus Beefcake, so he can't cut Aaron's hair. So that gives him the reason to want to cut mine. So now he's pissed at me. He grabs me with his left hand, and in his right hand, you know, he looks around to the fans, but in his right hand. He has scissors in his hand yeah. that look like in Psycho when the, the lady had the, the knife in the shower. So he's, hold, he's holding them in his fist. Yes, in his fist. Oh, and no. he's looking around at the fans saying, do you want me to punch him with these scissors <laughs> staring me at the face? 
with and the, Mako's in the front row like, yes, yeah, right. yes, <laughs> go for it. Uh, and he had been drinking all day long, so I didn't know what was going to happen next. So right before he decides he's going to punch me, he puts the scissors, thankfully, in his mouth and then does the big wind-up with his right arm, punches me. So I take a bump off the punch, and then he picks me up and picks me up for a body slam. And I don't know how to take a body slam at this point. So if you see the – I have a picture. I'll, I'll put a picture up on Twitter. If you see the, the body slam, I'm not holding on in any way. It's all him getting me up and tossing me down because I didn't know where to post. I didn't know where to put my hands. So my arms are waving in the, in the air like, ah, no. Uh, he slammed me and then shaved my head after that. So this kind of got you in and chaotic, right? So you were on shows going forward after this. Yeah, the school opened really close to after this. It was maybe one show and then the school opened, or it might have been right after this. But the school opened at that time, and that was just the perfect timing for me to, to sign up for the school and to be able to work the, the shows at the same time. So how long were you refereeing before the idea of booking came up? Um, I started refing in June of 2001. I think we started booking in 2000, August of 2002, so a, maybe a year, a little over a year. And um, we, we went to them. They needed a booker. Chaotic, Chaotic Wrestling needed a booker, and me and Mucko uh, went to them with a kind of fantasy booking. Like we actually wrote up a booking sheet of what we would do on the next show, went to Denny's with, with two of the owners, Jamie and Milo, and they gave us the job right there. <laughs> that's that's pretty uh that's different um so were the other people in the locker room how'd they take to you guys like mucko was basically straight out of the crowd yeah well mucko they didn't know mucko was booking okay yeah i don't know if, i don't know if you remember because you were there crockett and, yeah and you malonis was around at the school but he you weren't on shows yet right no not yet yeah so uh mucko we we didn't want to say like at least i had been refing for a year but Mako had nothing to do with the wrestling business as far as being trained or anything like that. He just had ideas and was was creative. Uh, so we didn't tell people that Mako was doing it. They, we, don't, they only told, we only told people that I, would, I was doing it. Um, but most people by that point, I think anyway, I think the perception was that I had a, you know, a good rapport with people that they actually accepted me. I, maybe they didn't behind the scenes, behind my back. I don't know. But I think they were all right. This is like a transition time for Chaotic, too. Like some of the old, original Chaotic kind of stalwarts had like the Genos and the Ali's and some of the other guys like that. They had all kind of filtered out. And now like the top of the card was Louis and John and Vicalo and Arch. And then you kind of had... The ownership kind of thinned out also. Yeah. And like the, the, you had guys coming up from the school now. So it was like... I think it was a... It was probably the perfect storm for you guys to come in at that point yeah. because of the transition. Yeah, nobody wanted to do it. Like that, <laughs> I, that really was. I mean, our, I, they said our ideas were good for that show, but nobody wanted to book it. So we were given the chance because of that exact transition. Like the you have talked about the contracts that Chaotic had. Like right. that was those guys that were under those contracts had gone by this point. So it was mostly just Chaotic school students. So we were all kind of training together. At that point, but yeah, it was definitely transition period for Chaotic. So, I mean, you talked about the reaction of the locker room. One thing that sticks out in my mind about you as a, as a booker was you really, if you believed in something, you really stuck to your guns. And that's something that, I mean, me and Brian, uh, as, as doing some booking, 
it's really tough to do, especially with these oh, yeah. with these wrestlers pushing you. I know someone that we know has been a couple times a guest on the show would just eventually say, "Okay, do whatever the hell you want. I don't care." Once he's challenged enough, but um, what I recall is you really, really, you know, digging your feet in the sand when it comes to certain things. And I don't know. Do you think that that kind of um, put you? In a negative light with uh, some of the guys yeah, backstage? Yeah, uh, definitely. Like, as time went on, um, yeah, I, I'm stubborn as hell. That's I, I, I am. But I would, and, and this isn't that, that wrestlers don't think this way, but I would think about the, the booking of the shows 24 hours a day. Like, that's all I did. Um, so I, as I would come up with ideas and come up with what I wanted to, to happen, I was already married to it by the time I told people that it was going to happen. So when people wanted to change it, I would just, I'd have no, none of it. I think I'd say to you, Brian, a lot, I'd like, no, that stinks. Get the hell out of here. And I would <laughs> <laughs> tell you to do, the, do it the way I wanted to do it. Yeah, Brian, what did you think when this, when he would uh, like really stay, well, I mean, stick strong I'm a with stubborn guy too, but at that point, I mean, now you I, were new, yeah. I would fucking, you know, I'd go right back at you. But at that point, I think it was, you know, well, okay. <laughs> like, what else, the hell else was I going to do? But I mean, I, I mean, in, in, uh, we can edit this out uh, if need be. Uh, if Fat Pants is uncomfortable talking about it, but I think the first time I saw you kind of have to back off something was the me chase with Mike Hollow, kind of booking where you and Mike had a disagreement on how an angle with me and um, Chase should go. Chase Del Monte. Chase Del Monte. Yeah, and me and Chase were were both just super green, like fresh to shows, and put in this position of our trainer and and the Booker. And I think event- I think eventually we did it Mike's way, if I remember if I remember yeah, this correctly. Yeah, and I might have this wrong, too. Um, th- to go back to the original question first, I, I was an asshole to a lot of people, and, and you know, I, I, I think that hurt relationships. But in this instance, uh, Mike, Mike is the Mike Hollow who trained both me and Brian uh, at the Chaotic Training Center. And we just had a difference of opinion on how things would go. And again, I was stubborn as shit, so I wanted stuff to go my way. And I think the story is that... As you guys were sitting in the front row, this is before the the doors opened, talking over things. Mike called Pat Patterson. Yeah, he did. And Mike Mike has a, a very good friendship with Pat. Um, I don't. I've met Pat Patterson maybe three times in my life. He doesn't know me from anyone. Um, but Mike would call Pat to you know Pat Patterson to get his opinion, and then would come to me and say, "Well, my opinion." is the same as Pat Patterson's. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> and, like, where does that leave me? Am I going to disagree with... No win with, situation. Right. Am I going to disagree with Pat, as, as with Pat Patterson, as stubborn and, and as I am? I That's where I, I put my hands up, and I'm just like, uh, you people, you know, you guys can do what you want. Um, because they I finally have, found the key to yeah, unlock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. call yeah. Pat Patterson. If you, have, if you have a disagreement with me, and I'm going to win the, agree, the, the argument, call Pat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but I think I think I think I look back at it now. Though, it was a good thing you stuck to your guns because I think about my my time when I was when I was booking and and I, I mean with certain guys I would really hold to my guns, but the more veteran guys I'd be like, well, all right, if you think you know how to do this better, here's where I want to end up. If it fucks up, it's you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and, and you know. my the way I did things, I I wouldn't do things the same because it's not fair to you guys who this is. I, I think I took a lot of creativity away from the wrestlers, and I and that's not right. I, I completely disagree with that, but that's where I was 
in my life where I just, again, I thought of it 24 hours a day. And uh, I, my, it was my way of the highway. I, it wasn't the right thing, but and like I said, I change it now. But it's, I, I think creativity is an important thing for wrestling. And, and I think you were dealing with a younger locker room at that time anyway. Like you said, you, a lot of the guys that you were booking were training with you at the Kyoto Training Center. So. Yeah, it was like 90%. Like yeah. 90% of us were all just from the school. So it's a little different from your situation, bro. Yeah, and I, I, another little side story here that I think sure. listeners will like. Uh, you were still booking at the time. Kofi's last match in uh, in Kofi Kingston, his last match with uh, Chaotic Wrestling. Uh, he came out and cut the promo about, you know, uh, you know, nobody in the back can beat me. Blah 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 blah. He was undefeated. He was undefeated, run, and which I wasn't was gonna, that long. Yeah, and I and I, you know, I'd been a heel the entire time and chaotic and a pretty like big heel too. I think. I think at that point we we're really you're really ramping me up, and um, and I and you told me the idea, and I had said to you, I think they're gonna cheer me. No, no, no. There's no way they're gonna cheer you, or whatever. And and they did like you know because here comes this big fat guy to kick out kick this guy's ass. And I remember you in the ring. You gotta do something to turn him against you. You gotta do something to turn him against you. <laughs> that Patriot stink. Come on, right? <laughs> gotta call it audible, right? I did something, something like that. Yeah, I did. Like that. Yankees, Yankees. Did something stupid. Yeah. Well, I mean that that goes back to Kofi was a heel when he first started, which he shouldn't have been. He said he's said that like he should have been a babyface, even for the six months or whatever we had him in chaotic. I just wanted a Ludwig Borga. And so I, so I made, so I made Kofi a Jamaican Ludwig Borga. First time that sentence has ever been uttered. You had to throw out the links of those of those vignettes, the the original Kofi Kingston vignettes. Yeah. Yes, very reminiscent of Ludwig Borga in the early '90s WWF. Yeah, so so Kofi came up with a Jamaican character, and I wanted a Ludwig Borga, so he had to be a heel. And then <laughs> because Jamaica has always had terrible relations with the U.S. Right, right. and then they think the U.S. is rotten. <laughs> So awesome. So, uh, getting more into booking, what is the favorite angle that you booked in Keanu Wrestling? Um, Do you have one? Can you think nah, one? I I don't know if uh, maybe we did a uh, a double turn with with John Walters and Louis Ortiz on one one night where I can't remember the specifics, but we did an injury angle with John. So John uh, Louis did the Death Valley Driver onto a guardrail. Yep, and then John just went limp so john was the heel louis was the baby face and john went limp and we did the injury angle we actually i think we got an ambulance we yes, rented it yes. we rented an ambulance. <laughs> you certainly did yeah we rented an ambulance for that night and we did between that show so we ended the show that way and then the following show maybe two or three weeks later we finished the switch by them shaking hands john becoming a baby face and then louis Saying the hell with it and did it again, something like that. I can't remember. I think Cold, was it the Coldplay song. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. The, we had the big recap Confusion video. Never stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, too, that that um, it got out online that there was a you know there was an injury. John Walters was injured on this show, and I think did you get uh, Gabe Sapolsky from Ring of Honor actually maybe contacted chaotic wrestling or contacted, contacted john yeah yeah, yeah. john was I, I he was in ring of honor i don't know if he was the pure champ at the time but he was if he wasn't they were ramping him up to to get a good push and we didn't tell anybody we were doing it so yeah gabe contacted john like worried that he wasn't all right and and you know if that's what you hear about anybody about any wrestler you're going to be worried but yeah we didn't we didn't let on that it was all something that we just planned i think the the ambulance helps if you can pay 
$300 for an ambulance to come to your wrestling right. show, that's go for it because people will buy an ambulance. Everyone bought it, yeah. Everyone bought it that night. Yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. And what about the least favorite angle that you did? Least favorite? I can't. Do you have one in mind? Or I, well, the one I was thinking of that popped into my head. You got a little laugh over there. Crockett <laughs> no, always has ulterior yeah. motives. That's the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, what about the kidnapping of Cherry Payne? Oh yeah, that was that was Mucko's idea. So oh, I'm, I'm throwing, sorry. I'm throwing him right under the bus, and he's not here. Yeah, I was hoping Mucko was gonna be was, here to take some of the. Uh... It was well, well, it was both of our, our ideas as far as as having her be kidnapped. Cherry Payne is. I don't remember this. This is early. This is before. I think this is before you were on shows. Um, Cherry was with Matthew Avagrius, right? Not yet. She was. Oh, Arch? she was with she Arch. Was, she was kidnapped by Matthew. Avagrius. Right. She was with Arch Kincaid. So we. Right. So we did the uh, so we did a kidnapping <laughs> where Matthew Vagrius kidnapped Cherry Payne, and then uh, later a few shows later, so she wasn't around for a few shows, and then we we had someone deliver a box to Arch, and Cherry Payne has long red hair. Um, we had someone deliver a box where when Arch opened the box, it was a braided hair, long red hair, a braid that like. So someone had cut all her hair off or something. That was the idea. Um, what, that day, I went to Mucko's house before the show and and said, we can't do this braid in the box because this is going <laughs> to stink to high heavens. Uh, and we, we, uh, we you know, talked back and forth. And we eventually decided to actually do it. And when we did, it was the shits. It was dude, crickets, total crickets. Um. It's tough to pull yeah. off a kidnapping angle, I think, especially in like the independent yeah, level. Yeah, the independent level. And this is and you gotta realize too, this is before I don't know if before YouTube existed, but at least before YouTube was widespread. So we couldn't put all our stuff out on the internet as far as people being able to watch videos and, right. and vignettes and, and, and promos um because that stuff was still in its infancy. So we weren't able to tell the story as much as we wanted to, but a kidnapping is in general just Totally is crap. So, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. That was good. <laughs> You're very welcome. Very welcome. Um, so, deciding to stop booking for chaotic wrestling, how did that decision come to be? It was. I, I had. Uh, I did it for maybe four and a half years, I think, and I was. I I was just. I was burnt out on it as far as booking, but I. The schedule didn't work anymore with Ring of Honor because I had started with Ring of Honor maybe uh, two two or three years prior to this. And I was lucky enough to have Chaotic run usually Fridays and then Ring of Honor would mostly run Saturdays. So mm-hmm. it, it was very rare that I would have a conflict of as far as not being able to make it to one or the other. And then the schedule for Ring of Honor started picking up. Uh, so I decided I, it just wasn't right for me to continue booking while I wasn't even there. So if I, how am I supposed to you know tell guys what to do and 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 come up with ideas for things that I'm not even going to see in person. So I decided to. I think it was around Cold Fury Six. I think Cold Fury Six was the last show I booked. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right. but it was it was a combination of being burnt out and, and schedule. Wow, what a what a great last show you booked. Uh, you know, if I remember that show correctly. <laughs> what a guy. What a. I mean, cage way match. to go out on top. Cage match extraordinaire. I wasn't talking about that piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Talk, I was talking about launching the the, the illustrious. Championship reign of the kingpin Brian Malonis. Who did you beat, Tommaso? Tommaso Ciampa, yeah. who was off to uh, WWE for his first little. Uh... Well, 
Well, details, details. <laughs> <laughs> it's not overshadowed my moment. <laughs> um, Todd's moan, I mean. Todd's moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, before we get to the Ring of Honor stuff, let's uh, just... Being a WWE extra. We love the uh, WWE extra stories. We had a little episode dedicated to it. Um, do you have any memories about being an extra WWE? Um, we did one where uh, it was me, Handsome, uh, Tony Omega... Vince Vicalo, I think Brian Black, a whole group of us went to Pennsylvania. I think it was Wilkes-Barre. And they they had us be uh, policemen. So I think it was Ric Flair and somebody are arguing in the in the hallway or something. And then the the issue was Kane wasn't supposed to be allowed in the building or something. So they had this extra police force to stop Kane from coming to the building. So as Ric Flair and... and Say it's Randy Orton, or I can't remember who it was, but say it was definitely Ric Flair. They're arguing in the hall. The policemen are supposed to run through them to get to where Kane's coming into the building. And I don't know if Handsome touched on this story. I can't remember. So if it's, I'm saying it again, sorry. But as we ran through, Handsome shoved Ric Flair <laughs> I think you did mention this, out yeah. of the way <laughs> so he could get through. And then when we got to Kane... We were all supposed to make a circle. And there were actually six wrestlers, and then there were six actual policemen that they brought in. There were 12 of us that were supposed to circle Kane. You as guys pulled guns, right? Was it, no, was we, did, we had rubber guns. We didn't pull guns. Oh, you, had, you had your hands on your hands. We hand. had our hands on our, on, our, on our guns, and then we were supposed to be very, like, kind of scared, but also very forceful. So, and I get this from, from everyone after they watched it. I overacted a little bit. So as <laughs> I know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah, Crockett's the one who told me, a-hole. <laughs> so as we got to Kane, we went around, and I was like, in the positioning of my legs and my arm out and holding the gun, I was like, Kane, no, no! And I was overacting <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. Everybody else is just putting their arm out. Like, all right, can't go. you can't go through. But I was... Out overacting like crazy, going for your Emmy. I was, you know. So you gotta, you gotta make an, an impact when you get a chance. <laughs> um, I need to go back to the, your first spot as an extra that I just popped into my head, where you were dressed as a woman, I... as, a, as, a, as, a, as a very ugly woman, as it was reported on PW Insider or OneWrestling.com. dot com. Right. So yeah, Todd Sinclair as a very ugly woman. Yes. Yeah. It was uh, at the Friendly Tap, which was a uh, Tim White's bar in. Providence, Rhode Island, if I'm somewhere, not yeah, somewhere in Rhode Island, yeah, and it was booked through Chaotic, and they wanted to have some sort of cross-dressing party of some sort with the APA, correct? Yeah. It, was, it was a different time. Yes, yes, it was. This would not be able to be on TV anymore. Um, yeah, it was the APA. So the APA had gone to the Friendly Tap a few times before and beat the tar out of some local guys that were playing pool. So the idea was the APA. In their office, which was just the the door, right? Um, they would they would get an invitation to the friendly tap. Uh, so like, all right, we're gonna go to the friendly tap. And when they got there, there was a sign on the door that said uh, "Ladies' Night." Yeah. Oh no, Men's Night. No, sorry, it was it said Men's Night. So like, we're men. So let's <laughs> let's go in. So as they get to the bar, they're like, "Oh, thanks for the invitation." And then as they turn around, they see. 20 guys in in various forms of dress uh i was a in a in an actual dress and a, a blonde wig uh dancing with us with each other and, and enjoying men's night right um, what's, he do? Yeah, yeah, what's wrong with that so um 
so we did that. We did that, and then as they're shocked and and dismayed that there's there's a bunch of men dancing with each other, then Chuck and Billy attacked them to do whatever they had to do to to continue their feud or something like that. But yeah, we were the we were the men's night uh, patrons of the Friendly Tap. Yes, and and your most famous uh, spot, which as as we talked about before we recorded, that was very rarely seen by anybody, was you portrayed Santa Claus in a. Uh, in a commercial for one of the least, I don't know, how do I say this? <laughs> least loved, maybe? <laughs> Pay-per-views of all time. Yeah. Is it December to Dismember? Yeah, the ECW pay-per-view. Yes. So they needed a Santa Claus, and they were at TV. You were at TV, Todd, and you were also at TV, Brian, right? Yeah, so I was, we, were, we were standing by the ring, and then all of a sudden, like somebody puts their hand on my shoulder, and it was John Laurinaitis, and he just says, you know, come with me. And I, I, I was shitting myself because like Hollow and 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 Jamie were there and they didn't know what was going on, so they're looking at me and I make eye contact with them like, I like shaking my head like, I thought I did something wrong. I thought I was getting kicked out of TV or something. I thought it was like, oh shit, he's gonna like bring me to get my stuff and I must have done something. Um, and and we get to the back and uh, he's like, we're gonna do a commercial shoot with a hack. Like, being Sandman, right? Now we need somebody to play Santa Claus. So he brings me to the production truck, and he goes in for like uh, it felt like forever. Like it was maybe five minutes in reality, but it felt like two hours. And he comes back out, and they tell me he tells me like I'm too tall because I'm taller than the Sandman, so it's not gonna me as Santa Claus is uh, not gonna work. So, yep. And then uh, so after that, uh, I, I don't remember the story of how I was told, uh, but. I took your spot. I, I stole the Sandman spot. Uh, you were no good the, son of a bitch. That's right. <laughs> the Sandman spot with Santa Claus. They needed a Santa Claus. My physique looks like Santa Claus, so <laughs> I they grabbed me, and uh, we actually didn't do it at TV. We did it during the week. At so, Titan Tower? Yeah. Um, they had me come down to Titan Tower. So I, I'm, I'm from Massachusetts, so maybe it's like a three-and-a-half-hour ride um, on a Wednesday, let's just say. Get to Titan Tower. Nova was uh, the the talent person, yeah, guy. the person to, talking to talent then. So I would I met Nova at Titan Towers, uh, went in, and then they took me over to the TV studio. And then from there, we went actually went to one of the TV studio people's house because they had a nice fireplace. Oh, yeah. So they had a, a nice rocking chair that I got to sit in. Uh, Sandman was there. Sandman was real cool, and he proceeded. Over the course of maybe fifteen takes, to hit me directly in the head with his Singapore cane <laughs> over and over again. Um, I, it was at least ten shots that I took, maybe 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 fifteen of them, but directly to the head. The only thing, the only thing protecting me at the beginning from the head shots was my you know Santa wig and my hat. Right. But after I took about four of them. Sandman felt really bad, so he took his snot rag out of the back oh. out of the back pocket, and he lifted up the wig, and he put his snot rag right on the top of my head <laughs> to protect my head from these Singapore cane shots. Was the snot rag made out of like steel? <laughs> I don't know what it was, but he had that rag. Like when he was in WWF, he had that rag sticking out of his out of his pants the whole every match. So I got to actually have it right on the top of my head as I took Singapore cane Did shots. You get to keep it. I didn't. No, I had oh. to give it back. No, I mean, that's one of a kind. It's, <laughs> it I can't, can't take that from him. Um, and then from there, a, a side story on this. So I, so 
as far as the commercial goes, that commercial, as far as I know, never really aired on television. I never saw it, I, and I was watching. Of course, I'm going to be on TV, so I watched every show possible yeah. to be able to see it, and I never saw it air on television. But it did air. The only time I ever saw it was on the Legends of Wrestling roundtable on the WWE 24/7 at the time, and then the uh, they took one clip from it. So the full commercial was on that, and then they took one clip of it of my eyes in shock in the Santa outfit for a uh, shop zone commercial with Tory Wilson or something. So I, that was my maybe quarter of a second of fame as Santa Claus from there. But a side note on that is after we went from the, the house, we went back to Titan Towers and I got to go into the merchandise room at Titan Towers, which yes. I've heard from people that have worked there for a long time have never been able to go into that room. I got to go in that room and see all kinds of merchandise, and Nova said, take whatever you want. So I took a whole bunch of DVDs. Translation, please don't sue us. Right. Yeah, no, <laughs> right. So I took a bunch of DVDs, and like, you know, I got pay- I, they actually paid me really well to do the, to do the commercial. Um, but Didn't I you t- like the Pillman DVD like before it came out? Yeah, yeah. I was so proud of myself. I had it in my head, too. Yeah. yeah, I was so proud of myself. The Pillman DVD is out in a month, and I have it before everybody. I was so thrilled. <laughs> But yeah, so I got to see that merchandise room at Titan Towers, and just being in Titan Towers, you know, as a longtime wrestling fan, was really tremendous. Just to be walking around Titan Towers, that was pretty cool. And I remember seeing the picture of that egg on your head from all those cane shots. Do you still have that picture I'm, somewhere? I might. I'm not sure, but it was it was a, a huge mound on the top of my head. Yeah, it's it was pretty pretty rough. I, I, I'll look for it. I don't know if I have it. Yeah. Looks okay. like I dodged a bullet there. Yes. <laughs> oh, it hurts. It hurts so much. And after every take, they're like, you okay? Yes, I'm fine. Oh, what are you going to say? Right. No, <laughs> quit it. So uh, probably the most success you had at WWE is you refed a dark match. Am I correct? Well, if you call that success, it's not really. It's not really a success so, at all. Success is a relative. Term. Right. I'm, I'm happy yeah. I got to do it. I was very proud, but it's not successful. But yeah, 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 I did one dark match, just one. And this was. I'm remembering that Ricky Steamboat really pushed for you yeah. because you were doing the Ring of Honor stuff, and he was doing Ring of Honor stuff at one point. Yeah, he Steamboat had come in to do an angle with uh with Punk. And he was, uh, he was with Ring of Honor for maybe. I mean, it wasn't very long, maybe four months or so. But he, he uh, was really, really like one of the best people we ever had to come. You know, a star come in to Ring of Honor because he would help everybody and was just really cool. Uh, then he got signed to be a, a an agent. And when I went to TV, we were going to be Druids. I think I think we were Druids that night. I don't, I don't know if you guys were the Druids too, but there was a bunch of us that were Druids. I think Kofi was one and Handsome was one. Um, but but Steamboat remembered me from Ring of Honor, and he went to Sergeant Slaughter and said, "Put this guy, you know, put this guy in the dark match, give him a shot." So I, it was really cool to you know Ricky Steamboat going go to bat for me. You know that was really cool. But uh, you did the match. Who was in the match? Uh, Ken Phoenix, who was Kenny from the uh, Spirit Squad, right? And uh, Sylvain Grenier. And Ken Phoenix was before he was signed, or he was signed. I, I'm pretty sure it, this is right before the Spirit Squad. He wasn't doing the Spirit Squad yet, and I may be wrong. Maybe it was before he was signed, but I th- I thought it was he was OVW and then was there. But you might be right. It might be before he was signed. I don't know. And what feedback did you get afterwards? 
<laughs> oh boy! Yeah, there we go, <laughs> Michael Crockett with a big setup. I, I don't know. I don't remember what the feedback was. I, I could, I could probably, I could probably. Uh, I uh, you could ascertain. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I I got to the back, and uh, the first first feedback I got wasn't directly, but it was from Handsome, uh, who was w- hanging out with a uh, was watching the match with Stevie Richards, and uh, the f- Stevie Richards feedback was, "Wow, I didn't." Like that's a that's awesome that Todd was ref in the match. I didn't even notice him. Like and and to me as a ref, I mean that's that's feedback I want because I'm just part of the the background. I'm not the star. Um, so I took that as really good feedback. Then I got pulled aside by John Laurinaitis, mm-hmm. and he uh, he said you did really well, um, but you're too fat to work here. Uh, those that's the quote. And and you know I'm I don't argue with that like i'm not a skinny person i'll never be a skinny person and i actually appreciated him being honest in saying that uh but those words you're too fat to work here is not something you want to hear as far as that sentence but i i did appreciate the honesty and he was right he's definitely right you know i need to get in better shape and i still do so well i didn't mean to bring that up yeah you ruin ruin the night that's it <laughs> you're getting out of oh, here michael like i said earlier on facebook Michael Crockett, professional a-hole. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so finally, we're going to get to Ring of Honor here. You started going to shows. You just ended up just traveling to shows with John Walters, who was already a part of Ring of Honor, right? Is that how you started out? Yeah, I, I, um, I went to one show in Philly with him just to meet Gabe, uh, and then we went to right around Rochester. I don't know where it was. And he was going to – Gabe had mentioned, next time you come, you'll, you'll be able to ref a match. So when I got there, I didn't want to just go up to Gabe because I I had just met him the show before and say, hey, how about that match? You know what I mean? I didn't want to just just bring it up. So I said to John, you know, go. Can you go ask Gabe if I'm going to ref a match tonight? And John wouldn't do it. He was being a prick. Uh, So instead of refing on that show, I was actually uh, to give me something to do. Bobby Cruz was there doing the Steve Carino uh, intros. I was a young boy for Steve Carino on that Rochester show. So I got to throw streamers into the ring for Carino, clean them up, and then kneel and watch the match from there. But I didn't ref on that show. Um, I refed shortly thereafter. And this is the end of 2003 that I had started going there, and then I started getting dark matches uh, through Ring of Honor. So like people say a lot of times, you know, just keep showing up. Just keep showing up, and eventually something will happen. You advocate this? Uh, to a point. I mean... If you show up 20 times and nothing happens, you, you might want to rethink how you're doing things. Right. Um, but uh, you definitely, you're not going to get anything unless someone knows you, unless you show your face. Uh, you, you have to be on someone's mind. Um, a perfect example is uh, this past weekend, um, we were in Buffalo, and one of, the, one of the wrestlers that was at a previous Ring of Honor camp that we hadn't seen in a long time because he, he did one camp and then hadn't been at shows um, did come and came to help, you know, put up the ring and show his face. And we needed an extra person for the dark match. So we mentioned somebody had come to me and said, do you have anybody who can be a heel in this dark match? I said, oh, yeah, what about this guy? He went to the camp a year ago. Oh, yeah, there he is. Okay. And we, they pulled him in and he got to wrestle a dark match. So you you got to show your face. you you got to be on people's minds. Um, so I, I advocated for sure, unless you're, you know, losing $5,000 a year traveling all these places and nothing's happening, then you got to rethink things right so what was your first big match memory in ring of honor um i got to do so i was doing dark matches and then on the second anniversary show was the pure title tournament 
and John Walters was facing Punk in the I think it was the first round, and they had a I think it might have been even the opening match might have been yeah they had a they had a weird finish as far as like some sort of weird roll up where <clears throat> there would be a couple pins and then Punk would catch John in a certain three count for the for the three, um, and John trusted me knowing John from from you know start with training with him and knowing him for the the you know all the time I've been in wrestling. He went to Gabe and Punk and said, look, this finish is a little weird, but I know Todd can do it. So uh, that's where I got a shot on the regular show, finally, uh, to ref. So that was my first big, as far as Ring of Honor refing, my first big break, if you will. So he finally did advocate for you after. Yeah, yeah. And oh. yeah, that was February. So maybe four months later, but he did. <laughs> he finally went to bat. He was in a good mood. Yeah, it's he very was, nice. It was very, very helpful. Now, um, uh, I'm going to get heat again for this, but. Some the reactions that you get from the crowd personally at Ring of Honor. How do you feel about this? Um, I don't mind booze. I don't care. That doesn't matter to me. Um, I'm I'm a background player. I'm I'm not the star. I don't want to be uh, the star. That's why I became a ref because right. that's I don't want to be the focus. I'm, yeah, I feel the same way. I'm terrified in front of people. Like <laughs> if we were doing this podcast in front of a, a crowd of 200 people, I wouldn't be able to talk. I'd be Cindy Brady staring at the red light because <laughs> I get freaked out in front of people. Or um, even in front of Mucko. If Mucko was here, you wouldn't know. Yeah, that. right. I would I'd be so terrified. <laughs> That's because he'd be heckling you the whole time. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, so I, I want to be the background. So, I mean, they get on me a little bit, and that's cool. I have no problems with that. The the Twinkies chant I hate, um, I, not because you're making fun of me for being a fat person and I like to eat Twinkies, but it just takes away from the match. I mean, these pro wrestlers, you know, they put in everything they have into it. They're putting their lives on the line, and, and they're doing everything they can physically to entertain you. And you're going to chant Twinkies at the end of every count. I just think that's rotten. I think that's a terrible thing to do to, to the wrestlers. So I really hate that. But other than that, like people can boo or cheer or, or you know, throw eggs at me. Don't throw eggs at me. But what you know, I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> it's going to be amazing and and low and low and you just get pelted. Yeah, with. and it's actually my dad. <laughs> my, my dad will be throwing eggs at me. All right, so we got to bring up Bobby Cruz. Fall River Zone, Bobby oh, Fall Cruz. River Zone, Bobby Cruz. Fall River Zone. So he's been your longtime travel partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you say about this fella? He's a rotten, <laughs> filthy human being. Uh, no, and you mean that in the best possible way? I do. Or? I mean that with love. Okay. No, I, Bobby Cruz. He is. Uh, he's very hairy. <laughs> <laughs> he has a hairy back. He has a hairy neck. He loves doing the uh, George Animal Steel he impression. Does, he, he does the best George Animal Steel impression. If you see him, please ask him to take his shirt off and do it. <laughs> uh, no, but Bobby Cruz is like as far as a person that I've you know I've traveled with. But as far as people in the wrestling business, like you make a lot of friendships. But he's like a brother to me as far as all the time we spent together and the way we can ride each other and, and annoy each other and and the way we talk. He's a he's a really close friend and a good dude. Um, he's selfish sometimes. Like he always wants to go to Buffalo Wild Wings every time we we go on the road. It's I got a great atmosphere. I can't go to any any restaurant I want to go to because he's got to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> but uh, no, he's he's really is like a brother, and he's he's a good dude. I just really like to to push his buttons and to annoy him. <laughs> um, over your time in Ring of Honor, you've seen a lot of changes. How did you feel when 
suddenly uh, Gabe Sapolsky was let go in 2008. Um, that sucked. Yeah. I, it was it, that was a lot of uncertainty because Gabe was the only one who had booked Ring of Honor up until that point. And right. Gabe really understood the type of booking that that Ring of Honor needed. The type that. Um, that he focused on was really what fit our company and, and the wrestlers that we had. So we, uh, when we got the news, we weren't happy. Um, and a lot of it was just like, what's going to happen next, you know? And, and Carrie Silken, if I can just make a side note, he's, you know, he owned ring of honor for a long time. He's one of the greatest guys ever in wrestling. And when he made that decision, it was because he felt that was important to the company. And, when they so they brought in Adam Pierce and we were just we not that we didn't have faith in Pierce we just didn't know it was all uncertainty and it was it was just nervousness for a little bit until Pierce got his bearings and uh, everything was okay with Pierce right yeah yeah no and b- with Pierce we I mean we went on to HDNet that's where we started doing the HDNet stuff um, so we were finally getting a uh, a television product instead of just being a DVD product. With Pierce, we got to be on television. He he helped a lot, whether he was learning on the fly or whether he had the experience, I don't know. But we learned a lot as far as producing wrestling for television. You know, that's something we hadn't done. We we had all our shows on DVD, but mm-hmm. we didn't focus on this is what we have to do because we're on DVD today. So with with having TV under Pierce. Um, he was able to to book stuff and then also say, "Look, we're going to do it this way because this is what we we're going to do for television." So that was really good. It just it took a little bit for him to get his bearings, but it was great. All right. At some point in the HD Net run, uh, Jim Cornette came into the picture. Yep. Um, how'd you feel under Cornette? Uh, overall, good. Um, I thought you know, and a lot of people have said this. I thought a lot of his you know a few of his ideas were a little old school. I even in chaotic when somebody wanted to do ether, I fought the hell out of doing ether on <laughs> on on my the show. Front when I was booking. feeling the effects. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, Cornette brought back ether in one of the matches, and it was just like you know that seems like a little old old school. But I I didn't have any issues with with Jim uh, at all as far as what I did. I I really liked working with him. Um, he. It was passionate, and you know we we all got to see him yell and and go crazy here and there, but I didn't have any issues with him. And he had issues with a lot of the the top guys as well. That kind yeah, of... yeah. I mean, it's hard. I think about this sometimes. Um, so you know, we talk about certain things. Like, let's talk about Kevin Steen. Right. Um, he, he and Cornette just didn't see eye to eye a lot, and that's fine. I think that's okay for people to have opinions. They took it way too far as far as being angry with each other and and not totally not agreeing with each other but you're not going to have the same opinions as everyone like i'm not going to have the same opinion as is crockett or or malonis i'm going to have what i think is right but the other thing is just because one person has an opinion that you're this type of wrestler and you're only going to reach this success doesn't mean that's what everybody else thinks and kevin's proved that you know, Kevin's gone on, and now he's the he's a champ in WWF. Um, and that's not to say Cornette was was just like, hey, Jim Cornette was wrong. No, it was that was Cornette's opinion. He didn't see this for for Kevin, but Vince McMahon does, and that's opinions. That's fine. It's, there's nothing wrong with having different opinions. All right, another big like tent pole in the history of Ring of Honor that you were there for was 
the purchase by the Sinclair Broadcast Group. That was 2011. And I'm sure this is another time that there's a lot of uncertainty, right? Yeah. We were really – we were freaked out more than the Gabe thing because Carrie um, was the the owner for such a long time, and he put so much into Ring of Honor. And, and the reason why the Ring of Honor is still alive is because Carrie kept it alive for as long as he could. Sinclair coming in and Joe Coff coming in, um, they've helped it survive from 2011 to this point, and they're a big part of that. But it, if it wasn't for Carrie, it wouldn't have gotten to then. We would have been closed in 2008, 2009, because um, it just was losing money for him. So when Sinclair bought it, we were really like, what the hell is going to happen now? The good thing was uh, they kept Cornette on, and they, uh, they especially kept on Delirious. So they, they kept a lot of the, the things that were there for, for a bit. So that helped the, the transition, but it, there was a, a definitely a, a transition period where they were learning the wrestling business. Joe Coff had history in the wrestling business, but he was getting back into it. So there was there was uh, definitely some growing pains. But where we're at now, I mean, five years later, we're doing live pay per views, we're doing TV every week, we're we're in more markets than we were when they bought us, and we're doing international tours. So we're, I mean, it's advancing as. Places where Carrie couldn't take us because he just didn't have the resources. Well, like, yeah, Ring of Honor probably now has a legitimate claim as the number two wrestling promotion in the United States behind WWE. Yeah, I mean that's it's based on people's opinion, but I that my opinion is that for sure. Now, what about uh, another baby moment was the partnership with New Japan in 2014? Do you think this is kind of rebenefits for Ring of Honor? Oh, absolutely. You, I mean, the, just the quality of wrestlers that they're bringing in is is huge. Um, you know, we when you have uh, a talent pool that Ring of Honor had, one of the best in the world, and then you add five to ten more of the best wrestlers out there, it can only be great. Um, going off their name, I mean, they're they're the best, you know, top company in in Japan. Going off their name, it can it can only be good things. Um, the, the matches. Since we've been doing them, we've we've had Okada come in and and, and Tanahashi and Naito. Um, the matches these guys have had are just off the charts, and it's just been it's. I think it's been great for everybody because they use all our guys too. I mean, this this helps Ring of Honor by going our guys going over to Japan and make more money. You know, we can work more often because if we're exclusive to Ring of Honor, we can't do the indies or some indies anyway, but we can't do most of the indies. So if you're able to take those days off and go over to Japan for a tour for two weeks, that just puts more money in people's pockets and more exposure for everyone. It's great. As we, we talked about this, a lot of the names in Ring of Honor have gone on to uh, success in WWE. How does that feel to you to see like guys that you were compatriots with, some of you're very friendly with, do big things, and, uh, you know, win titles, you know, main event WrestleMania. How does that feel for you? I'm jealous, and I hate every one of them. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, it's amazing. It's like where Ring of Honor is in the, in the industry is, is helping guys become the best in pro wrestling, whether they stay with Ring of Honor and, and do it there or they do it somewhere else it's you get to you get friendships with these people and then they move on and, and they're able to main event shows like you said wrestlemania and and win world titles in, in wbf or, or in ring of honor it's great um i'm I, I have a lucky spot where i've been in the company for four you know what not 14 12 years and i've seen 
everybody come through. And I've seen the industry take the Ring of Honor and and Japan style and inherit it. Like that's where this cruiserweight stuff, like the the style that Ring of Honor has been for the last fourteen years is what the cruiserweight classic was. The presentation might be different, but the the legacy and and the style of wrestling that we're we've done in Ring of Honor is is moving out into the whole world and the whole world seeing it. So it's I'm really proud of it. So one of the things that I think is one of the greatest travesties in life um, was the fact that the win a date with Todd Sinclair campaign <laughs> was never completed. <laughs> I mean, we talked about guys going on WWE. This is kind of the brainchild of Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan. Win a date with Todd Sinclair. I'm sure you can go and see the videos online. There's a please don't. A, there's a great video. <laughs> please don't. I actually saw it today. It's absolutely wonderful. Can we delete them? Is, no. Can, can we get into other people's accounts and delete no. these things? We will put the link on at the WPAN don't. on Twitter. Ugh. I just I think that this somehow we have to we have to get this going again. No. I don't know how we can. No. No, you don't. No. The, maybe we get. Uh, maybe we can get uh, Brian Daniels involved. Even. Well, yeah. the thing was, the reason why I agreed to this whole stupid thing. Now, the first, the beginning of it was we were in New Jersey, and me and Brian had left the building to go get something to eat. So we went to, we went to Buffalo uh, Wild Wings. No, that's oh. Bobby Cruz's <laughs> rotten place. We went to Subway, and on the ride, uh, Brian said, "Have you ever seen the movie?" And I don't know if I have the right title, but win a, ta- win a date with Tad Hamilton. I think, yeah. Something like that. And I said, no, I don't have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> he goes, we should have a win a date with Todd Sinclair. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. <laughs> and from there, it died. The idea was gone. Nobody, nobody said anything. And then Brian left Ring of Honor, went to the WWF, and uh, was fired for the... For the, the, the NXT angle. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Nexus with the tie. With yeah, the, yeah, yes. yeah. He yeah. choked out uh, Justin Roberts, Justin Roberts and that right. wasn't uh, allowed. So so he was he was let go. And then a few days after he was let go, he messages me uh, on the phone and said, we need to start the Todd Sinclair data thing again. Yes, we do. And I said, no, we don't. <laughs> he said, no, come on. It'll be fun. We'll find a good Asian woman for you. And I'm like... <laughs> As enticing as that was, um, I, I thought in my head, I said, look, the guy just lost his job. He was fired from, from WWF. He's probably down in the dumps. Oh, you, said, you took pity on Brian <laughs> I really Danielson. Did. I really did. <laughs> and allowed this to happen. <laughs> I really did. So I messaged back, okay. And, th- and that's, where it's, where, that's where it took off. He, he started doing the stupid videos. He they were posting it here and there, and then he got signed again, and it went to, and it went away. Um, but people were people were actually emailing him. He had an email address, and people were actually emailing him with suggested people to have dates with. And and I actually met a few of them. I didn't go on a date, really? but I met a few at like a, at, at like a show. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I would go to the show, and somebody said, "Hey, look, we sent in Rhonda's <laughs> <laughs> profile for you to have a I'm date." Sure Rhonda's very lovely, right? <laughs> And I was fine. Like, it was nice. I, I Whatever. But I just, I hated every bit of it. And I hated those videos more than anything. Pierce loved it, too. Pierce was going banana. <laughs> yeah, make sure you Google win a date with Todd don't. Sinclair. There's some gems. Please don't. And if anyone, I know our, our demos skew kind of male, 
But if you know, if anyone wants to date Todd Sinclair, you can tweet us at the WPAN. Call the voicemail line four zero one five eight four WPAN. Win a date with Todd Sinclair. Why not? Let's get this thing going again. All right, I, I agree. I don't agree with this. I'm very upset. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we go, we got to talk about the pay per view. It's live this Friday night in Lowell, Massachusetts, at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium. All Star Extravaganza eight. And it starts at 9 p.m. It's a little later of belt time, 9 p.m. in Lowell. And there's a TV taping the next day starting at 6 p.m. in the same building, the Lowell Memorial Auditorium. Todd, your thoughts on uh, All-Star Extravaganza 8 coming to Lowell? I'm excited about it. Um, This will be the first time in a long time we've been in Massachusetts. Uh, We've come up to Rhode Island a couple times recently, but I can't remember the last time we've been in Massachusetts. So all the Boston people will get to see this. it is 10 minutes from my house, which is the greatest thing in history. <laughs> um, but the matches, um, you know, we're going to have a, a three-way ladder war uh, for the World Tag Team Championships. Um, I think it's the first time we're doing a three-way tag one. Um, and we don't do ladder matches in Ring of Honor very often. I want to say this might be the sixth or fifth. Yes. Ladder War 6. Yeah, so it's it's not a common thing. So I think it's the Young Bucks challenging uh and the motor city machine guns are also challenging against the addiction for the the world titles and i'm i'm really looking forward to that um adam cole who's the new world champ uh will get to uh, wrestle michael elgin which is a big match because elgin's the iwgp intercontinental champ uh and his former ring of honor world champ so he the two of them going at it i think it's going to be crazy i think what else is on there bobby fish against dijak right Yes, yes. Yeah. We talked to Dijak a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I'm He's excited. Really to that. I'm excited for that because Bobby is on a roll. I mean, he beat Shibata. Uh, he beat Ishii for the, the title itself. And then Dijak, who just needs that breakout win. Like, if Dijak can go out there and, and kill this match, that is going to shoot Dijak. If he wins that world uh, television title, he's going to shoot Dijak to the moon. So I'm excited about those title matches. And they're starting the six-man Tag Team Championship Tournament that night. Yep. Uh, also, CMLL's Dragon Lee will make his debut against uh, Kamatachi. What do you think about this new alliance with CMLL? I think it's just as just as uh, the New Japan is. I think it's great for everybody because uh, we can send guys down there. I know Matt Taven just made his return to yep. wrestling after being out for like nine months with an injury uh, in CMLL, and now they're bringing guys in with us. Um, I don't know much about the wrestlers there, so I'm actually excited to see Dragon Lee and, and more of those guys come in. Because I think there's a CMLL six-man tag uh, team that's coming in for really? that tournament. I don't know when, what shows, but it's good we can bring in a, a, a team from CMLL to compete right for the six-man titles. Yes, if not on the pay-per-view, I, I'm sure maybe the next day, uh, October 1st, for the TV taping at, at the Little Memorial Auditorium. And it's actually one thing I kind of want to touch on here because we had we had Warbeard Hansen on, yes, our good friend Todd, and uh, you're pretty instrumental in Todd kind of getting his first break on the Indies. You're both coming back to Lowell, which uh, for both of you from being chaotic wrestling, that was the home base, the whole, your home promotions. Yep. Just kind of give a thought of like, what is it like now to see Todd there? And you know, obviously, I'm sure you spend a lot of time together and, and whatnot. Um, and again, being so instrumental in Todd in Todd's career, what's that kind of like now being there with him? It's huge because here's a kid who, um, and he talked about it when he was on your podcast, um, where we actually, me and Mucko went to a show. We were booking Chaotic at the time. 
we saw his first match ever, I think, and we said, hey, that's not that bad. Yes. <laughs> and we, we pulled him aside and said, do you want to come up to the chaotic school and we can do, some, you know, do something and, and, and work from there? So helping him out early in his career was a big deal. And then we've just, from the beginning of, of him coming up with us, just been through all kinds of stuff as far as the school and, and through chaotic. And then he had his injuries, so he was out right. with his back injury, and then I think he said his shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for him to make a comeback like that, and he's turned his 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 look and his wrestling and his his physique into a world class like performer. He's he is world class. He goes. He went over to Noah, I th- sometime this year over with with War Machine with with Ray Rowe. And he's over in Germany here and there, and he's wrestling in England, and he wrestles in Scotland and, and in Ireland. Um, he's he's really making a, a splash later than he should have because he should have been a big bigger deal much earlier than this. Um, I I had I remember bringing him to Gabe um, when he was Handsome Johnny, and he did a few dark matches, and nothing ever just nothing stuck. But he just needed that 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 change. I think after he was after he was injured, that change in, in attitude and, and look and, and style. That is, I'm proud of him. I'm really proud of him. It's kind of weird that like you know you do from match one. It's just, oh, I'm, I, I'm the smartest person in history. I'm a genius. But now you know from the humble beginnings of the the, the Lowell PAV and then what whatever the hell the other building was. And Lowell, and Lowell Elks. Yeah, Lowell now, Elks. now Friday night you guys are going to be both live on pay-per-view from the same city right down the road. So yeah. kind of cool, full circle sort of it's a, thing. It's a big deal. Like I grew up in the next town. I grew up in Billerica. So, I mean, I this is my dad, I think, has seen me wrestle ref live twice in his life. So I can actually bring my dad to the next town and uh, he gets to see me perform on such a level that Ring of Honor provides me. I, it's, I'm psyched. I can't wait. So we're going to be there as well, I think. Uh, right, Brian? We will be. And that is in Lowell at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium this Friday. And if you can't make it, make sure you watch live on traditional pay-per-view. All right, Todd. Thank you so much for doing this, coming on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. I know you're a big fan. You listen to all the episodes. I've, I've heard every single one. We appreciate it very much. And uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, and keep listening for jokes that are just for you. Yes, I, I, <laughs> I love those, and I, I hate your Dirty Shuffle song. How <laughs> dare yes, you? one for the kick band. It's atrocious. How dare you? It's atrocious. Oh, my goodness. And, I, I, and I sit... And wonder what you're going to come up with with BDA every week. Well. What could he possibly say is BDA? <laughs> well, you just missed it. Maybe ne- you'll uh, you'll hear it on the show. You'll Thank- hear it on the show. Thank goodness. All right. Thanks very much, Todd, for uh, being here. Thank you, Mrs. Roselli. <laughs> All right, Brian, as Todd walks out the door, uh, I guess maybe we should do his entrance music. It's Bobby Cruz. <laughs> He's going to be Bobby so Cruz. upset that you didn't do that with him. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he loves a good uh, Bobby Cruz song. Maybe we could talk about that uh, the next time he's on the wrestling podcast about nothing. All right. It is Merv Griffin time, Brian. This is the talk show within a talk show. It's named for your favorite episode of Seinfeld. Yes. And it is our chance to sit down with the listeners and talk. We talk to you, and most importantly, you talk to us. Get in on it by calling our voicemail line. That number is 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Now, Brian, the past couple weeks, uh, your friend and mine, RJ DeLuise, has kind of taken over the voicemail line. And uh, 
while we appreciate his contributions, as obnoxious as they may be, um, we want to encourage more people to call and be a part of the show. Like Mike Nice. Yes. Or perhaps Jim Fowler. <laughs> He's coming up later. <laughs> so here's what I'm thinking, Brian. New segment. New oh, segment alert. You're always springing stuff on me here. Yes. Okay, this is something that Tarzan Taylor, a former two-time guest, is always been a big fan of and something that I've adopted too and I've talked about on social media a little bit. Nothing is better than a good heel laugh. Okay. And the worst thing about Seth Rollins turning babyface is that we're losing a great heel laugh. Now, you don't believe me, Brian? Here, I have a clip. Listen. Oh. All right, Brian, and with the loss of this great guffaw, it's my mission to fill the gap. We're going to fill the gap here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. I bet you like to fill the gap. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> we want to hear your heel laughs, folks. Call the voicemail line, 401-584-9726, and simply leave your name, location, and heel laugh. That's it. We will play the best ones on the show. Brian, give me a heel laugh. You want, uh, my, my heel laugh? Yes. Oh, boy. Do I have a heel Have you ever laugh? done one on a show? I don't, on I don't, a microphone I don't or anything? I don't know if I've ever done a heel laugh. I don't know if i got a heel laugh. But if I, but if I did, I'd be kind of... And Crockett, this Friday night, I'm going to finish you once and for all. <laughs> Not bad. How's that, huh? Not bad. I How's like that? It. I like... Well, let me uh, say, uh, Kingpin, you sorry son of a gun. I'm sicking Tommy Dreamer on you, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Yours is way more sinister than uh, than mine was. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Be a part of the hashtag Heal Laugh movement by calling 401-584-9726. 401-584-WPAN in giving us your best heel laugh. We're going to get this voicemail line kicking, Brian. Ooh. I like kicking. We're kicking. Okay, now let's get back to your regularly scheduled Merv Griffin time. The other way to participate here for MGT is using our hashtag on Twitter. That's hashtag PDA for BDA. Tweet it at BDA underscore radio or at Crocsox, at Brian Malonis, at the WPAN. Let's see who's checking in this week. I mean, with uh, love for the Checking the Boots podcast, I'll say... Who's checking in this week? Yeah, it's quite a love fest with you and uh, <laughs> Chip and, and Tony S. And yes, yes, very very much Especially so. you and Tony S. Well, we're compatriots. We're referee compatriots, or I was. I'd say he pushed you out the door if you're asking me. He that's is the just, new senior official of Chaotic Wrestling, is he not? That's my opinion. He pushed yeah. you right out, the, right out the door, right off of a job. Oh, well. John Morse, at John, S-U-P-R-M-N, and that's J-O-N. He says, your promo about nothing is way better than what WWE provided for bad interviews. Yeah, they did put up a article over the weekend with bad promos. They still in our bad promos now? Yes, and uh, <laughs> ironically, uh, we recorded, I think, Thursday last week, and I think this was on Friday, their uh, 
their headline promo was the promo that we used last week with the uh, with Sid uh, talking about so having the, half a who's brain. Who's the inside man here feeding WWE our stuff? I have no idea. I'm sure they're 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 they got their you know their ear to the pulse. They're 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 in tune with what we're doing. Someone at the podcast garage maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe. took the. Uh, Took the uh, MP3 and kind of. God, I, don't, I hope I don't have to explain this. this is tongue in, tongue in cheek. That's all I did. <laughs> did you hear Milanus and Crockett the, saying WWE is listening to him and stealing their ideas? I think they are. All right, <laughs> Rob T is a guy who's uh, checking in a lot more recently, and we are very appreciative of that. That's Rob with two Bs, and he is at Element of Design on Twitter. He says. Crocsocks, Brian Malonis, thoughts on enhancement guys from 20 years ago promoting themselves as, quote, former WWE superstars. Brian, why don't you take this one? <laughs> yeah, I did promise to answer. I think it is so foolish. I mean, I'm, and I'm one to make your money. Like, if you can make a few bucks off wrestling, but for the love of God, if you did a couple jobs for WWE back in the 80s or 90s, you weren't a WWE superstar, no matter how bad. Uh, I mean, you're as much a WWE superstar as me and Michael are uh, for being druids. I mean, um, I've seen it on Facebook, and I think it's the dumbest thing like I've ever seen. Like, if, if even no matter how many like there's a guy that that we that we know we're fairly familiar with Tony Roy who did a probably freaking more jobs than anybody and I've never heard Tony refer to himself as right. a former WWE superstar and I'm, I'm like Tony may have done the most jobs in like WWE history of like job guys and he doesn't <laughs> refer to himself as former WWE superstar so um, if you've had two or three matches as enhancement talent. Uh, again, knock it off. It's stupid. It's nonsense. And, and again, I'm one of those people. Go out and make your money. If you have it, you want to print up a picture of yourself and you know a superstar that you wrestled in the match that you were in and sell it as eight by tens. By all means, that's wonderful. Do that. But you weren't a WWE superstar. <laughs> Stop Anything it. to sell tickets, brother. Stop it. Anything to sell those tickets. It's false advertising. Stop also, it. Also, Rob T. Also uh, mentioned. Another fantastic episode highlighting the CWC with guest OK Fabe. Want to thank OK Fabe. Uh, it was a great episode last week. Very entertaining, of course. Uh, check out his YouTube channel and uh, Rob T giving us a little bit of praise for that. Thank you very much. He says also, I appreciate Brian Malonis answering my question. And then he did another tweet that says, I only had 140 characters for the last tweet. So I guess, I guess I'll use this one to give props to Croc Sox too. He has his priorities straight. He knows <laughs> yes, where his did, bread's buttered. You did say this on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. And thanks, Rob T. No matter, uh, you know, if 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 I'm uh, second place to the kingpin, I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, he's the star, as he says, of the wrestling <laughs> podcast about nothing. But uh, thanks for listening, Rob, uh, at Element of Design on Twitter. Also, Big Woody this week, at Apt Elwood on Twitter. He says, great episode this week. Just curious, which one of Brian's nice T-shirts did he wear this week? And we talked about this on Twitter. You had we, a- we had some, some lovely pictures and videos of me and my nice uh, navy blue T-shirt from J.C. Penny, huh? Yeah, that was. JC Penny wants to send me a few, uh, you know, free uh, items, you know, for plugging their stuff. You know, feel free. You know, right, right now I like a good, I like a good three uh, XL tall. So 
<laughs> See, I, th- I thought we were going to have a sponsor this week. I thought it was going to be Harris Chicken Pies, but uh, I guess it's J.C. Penny, huh? We're, we're, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, TK at T Hog ninety four on Twitter. He says, uh, "I would absolutely love if they broke the raw formula. Nothing wrong with mixing it up a little." You talked about this, actually. You specifically talked about this in regards to the cruiserweights on Raw. Yeah, and everybody knows the raw formula. You open the show with a twenty five minute promo with maybe. Uh, various interruptions. And how did they uh, well, Raw opened with a 25-minute promo <laughs> with various interruptions. And they put the cruiserweights uh, in hour three, which uh, I think, I mean... All I know, Mike, is it's not about the authority figures, man. It's not about the authority figures. <laughs> it, it is not. It's definitely, definitely not. I mean, it was a good change of pace from the kind of the doldrums of hour three. But I kind of like your theory. Just start off hot. Start the show off hot. As I mean, you can you can fe- there's enough guys you can feature multiple matches of these you know you could throw two cruiserweight matches an episode on there and I I mean it w- it's the old nitro formula like hook them in with some great action right from the start people are turning tuning in to want to watch wrestling um, they've been doing the opening promo for twenty years now uh, just give us something different here please uh, please. <laughs> uh, we'll see what they do uh, this coming week on Raw. Or tonight, actually, if you're listening to this on Monday. All right. David Ratty at Dave Ratman. Uh, I mean, we're going to get back to this again. He says, so what did you say was your favorite WWE show ever? Crockett didn't care to share your answer with us. <laughs> yeah, you can edit me out this time. We'll see. We'll see what your answer is. I said mine was, I, I, and I, again, I, forgive me. I, I forget the year. It was the King of the Ring in Boston. It's either 99, 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. Uh, Kurt Angle won the King of the Ring. The Rock won the WWE Championship at the end in a six-man tag match. This is what uh, Shane McMahon (laughs) took the famous bump from the top rope through the announcer's table from The Undertaker. But at that that particular moment, like The Rock and Kurt Angle were my two favorite wrestlers. So couldn't get any... uh, Matter of fact, I brought Rock and Kurt Angle signs with me. Uh, so you couldn't get much better than that, you know. My my two top guys uh, earning top honors on the night. That's my favorite WWE show that I've ever attended as a fan. Um, although I did recently bring my uh, bring my daughter to, uh, and we sat front row for SmackDown. And uh, is that Manchester or Manchester? Yes. Yeah, and uh, that so that was cool to share that with her. And you know, Kofi came over and said hello to her, and and literally made her life. Um, she was a little disappointed, no Sasha Banks, but, uh, but we had a great time. So that, that was awesome. That, that now a recent memories for a different reason resonates with me. So, all right. So David Ratty, I uh, hope you don't mind me taking liberties here of making this your David Ratty question of the week. And I hope to hear from you next week with another question. We love them every week. Thanks very much at Dave Ratman on Twitter. Also, Steven at HHHGuy2004 still with this. Did Crocsox pay Brian Malone as part of the studio fee to help Brian get over the pain of last week's editing screw up? <laughs> Am I going to be able to get away from this? No, the people love the kingpin. They demand the kingpin. They want the kingpin in their episodes. It wasn't an editing screw up. The file just wasn't on the disc. I don't know what happened. It just seems convenient, Mike. It the just file seems... was not there. Oh, my goodness it gracious. It seems convenient. Okay, Brian, before we leave Murphy Griffin time, a couple shout-outs. We mentioned them. Check in the Boots Wrestling Podcast at Referee Tony S., at Chip K C T B. It's a new Twitter for Chip. At Chip K C T B for checking the boots. 
Uh, they had done some audio upgrades recently. They're sounding great. They're doing great. If you want to know all about all the TV shows, all the wrestling shows, they're watching everything. They give detailed analysis for everything. And that's where I get my analysis. The Check in the Boots podcast. Look for them on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. The Hurricane Rana podcast, at the Hurricane Rana on Twitter. They do their show live on Facebook Live on Wednesday nights at Hurricane Rana Wrestling on Facebook. So check out those guys. I've listened recently to a couple of episodes that they're, they're special edition episodes with they, they do interviews with uh, local guys and some great podcasts. Thanks very much, the Hurricane Rana podcast, for supporting us. Booking the Territory with Mike Mills at BTT underscore podcast. They've started up their Smoky Mountain Wrestling podcast, started listening to them. Great stuff. I mean, I haven't even really watched the Smoky Mountain Wrestling product. I haven't seen the videos, but I love hearing them talk about it. They're very passionate about it, and it's great to listen to. So check out the Smoky Mountain Wrestling podcasts on the Booking the Territory feed so you can get that through iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, New Age Insiders, producer extraordinaire Bill Neville uh, left a nice comment for us on Twitter, and I want to thank him very much. He's at Bill Neville NAI on Twitter. Uh, also, Randy Carver from Limitless Wrestling. Limitless Wrestling in Maine. I think you might be heading up there soon, Brian, right? Uh, yeah, by the time this airs, I will have already debuted uh, for Limitless in uh, Orono, Maine. Lovely Orono. All right. He is at Randy Carver X. Thanks very much for your support. Also, Laz, at Mile High Laz. Billy King had some nice things to say, our good friend from wrestling, and so many more out there. Thanks so much for all your support, and I hope you keep on enjoying the podcast, and we love having you listening. So we want you here at Merv Griffin Time. Two ways you can participate, use the hashtag PDA for BDA on Twitter, leave your comments that way, or call that voicemail line. That's 401-584-9726, 401-584-WPAN. Leave a question, suggestion, or as I talked about, your best heel laugh. Thanks to everyone who is a part of Merv Griffin Time this week, and we look forward to talking to you on Twitter, hearing your voicemails, and we will bring you the best of it next week on the wrestling podcast about nothing okay brian promo about nothing time yeah it is 1987 you were 17 years old oh come on not even close (laughs) wwf and brian since the beginning of the wpan people have wondered if we're gonna go there well brian we're going there Before all the shoot interviews, the radio and TV appearances, we had a simple localized interview with Mean Gene Oakland and the Iron Sheik. And my distinguished guest from the Middle East, he's from Persia, from Iran, he is Sheikh Alahani, Khosrow Vasari, the Iron Sheik. Anybody that knows wrestling knows that it's synonymous with the Iron Sheik. Welcome back to the beautiful South Florida area here in Miami. Thank you very much, Gene Mean, intelligent American, intelligent Miami City, all American resting city. People like you always tell the Mean Sheik, welcome to the Miami. Now, all of the sons, young punk American, come to the WWF, toughest, roughest area in the world, and he beat bunch of American, and he makes a name for himself. You know who I'm talking about, I know right? exactly. Exactly. Now... 
Miami, all intelligent American, Italian, my Banzan, Iranian, all Jewish people, yeah. intelligent Jew like yourself, they know about the Aaron Sheik. They know who is the Aaron Sheik. They have the, the from John F. Kennedy Airport to the Los Angeles, California, they know who is the Aaron Sheik. Now, Corporal Kirshner. Corporal Kirshner. Forever. Last time you was lucky, that blonde was your partner. Danny Spivey. Exactly. This time, just you and I. Precisely. Exactly. You better get ready, because she's born ready. Cameraman. Thank you. Miami Night Center, Monday, April 28th. Exactly. <laughs> Precisely. Exactly. All intelligent. <laughs> yes, he's an uh, in- intelligent Jew, which is uh, something that uh, came up later on. And this might have been the first time it was ever uttered on TV. And Gene Oakland uh, cracked up. Uh, someone off camera as well. You can hear some uh, some giggles off camera. And after I saw this initially, I was I went on a search for... Gene Oakland's uh, religious affiliation, which, I mean, why does that even matter? But I went, I went looking, <laughs> and Is as, he it Jewish? Tu- as it turns out, I have no idea. As it turns out, though, <laughs> Oakland was the best man at Iron Sheik's wedding. All right. So, I mean, maybe the Sheik would know if he's Jewish or not, but I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, this really has nothing to do with anything. It was just <laughs> a very interesting, strange comment in the middle of a promo, which... If you missed it, was about Corporal Kirshner, which you didn't really <laughs> spend too much time on Corporal Kirshner. There's some interesting Iron Sheik stories. Um, maybe in a later time, Mike. Huh? You do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, so you were around him uh, a number of times. Oh, then, uh, yes. Quite a few times. Quite a few times. And uh, I don't know if the stories are appropriate for, for, for these airwaves. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Iron Sheik uh, has given hours and hours of entertainment to... Millions, not just in wrestling, but around the world. and uh, His Twitter is wildly popular. Yes. And uh, this is one of the earliest uh, iterations of the Iron Sheik. And, I mean, it's just as amazing as any of those other ones. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or go to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing page on BDARadio.com. Okay, Brian, it's about that time. You are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and dates, dates, give me them dates. All right, so a little bit lighter schedule the next couple weekends, maybe some things I can talk about uh, in the future here, Uh oh, hopefully. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, we'll start with Sunday, October the 2nd, mm-hmm. Beyond Wrestling, Arts at the Armory, Somerville, Massachusetts. It's a big one for you. Yes, yes. I, I Also on this show, uh, before I get to my stuff, is uh, Ricochet for a, a rare uh, New England appearance. I don't remember seeing him on any cards around here anytime maybe for over a year. So uh, get your tickets now for this. LookMaNoFans.com. These shows always sell out. Literally every show sells out for beyond. So It's a beautiful building. Yes, get your uh, get your tickets now. But, uh, yeah, big match for me taking on Keith Lee. Uh, Keith Lee, again, tremendous athlete, a big guy, a guy who gets a lot of praise put upon him, rightfully so. Uh, but, hey, I think I'm pretty damn good, too. 
and uh, I feel like I'm going to turn some heads in this one, and I think it's my goal. I don't think it's my goal. It's my goal that when people leave there, with all the talent that's on this show, I want people talking about me and Keith Lee's match uh, when they leave that building. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm bringing to the table you know, that day. And I know Keith Lee always brings it. So, uh, I'm pretty excited for that one. Uh, then after, uh, not being around here locally for a weekend, I'll be back on Saturday, October the 15th. This one's very special to me. Uh, right. Atlantic, Atlantic pro wrestling, uh, defending the heavyweight championship on a good friend of ours, Brian Fury. Oh, really? Uh, so this may be the last time. Uh, there's a pretty good chance that this will probably be the last time I, I wrestle Brian Fury. There's a fairly decent uh, chance I may get misty-eyed at the end of it. I've had some of my best matches with Brian. I feel like uh, I probably have my best chemistry of anybody w- with Brian or certainly one of the top two or three guys I have the best chemistry with. Really excited for that one, too. Please come check that out. Uh, if you're a chaotic wrestling fan and they have no show that night, so this isn't trying to steal fans away right. from them, uh, you know me and Brian's history there. Uh, you want to see us go at it one one last time, come out to Atlantic Pro Wrestling on Saturday night, October the 15th uh, in the main event. Come see Brian Blubber. <laughs> I'm not going to blubber, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it, you know, he's one of our good buddies. And I've yes, uh, had a lot of good matches against him. And he's uh, winding down his career. Yes. Another one, Mike. This one's a really big one, too. Uh, fans out there will get really excited about this one. October the 21st, Friday night in Fall River, Massachusetts. Top row promotions with the Hardy Boys. You're wrestling huh? the Hardy Boys? I'm not wrestling the oh, Hardy okay. Boys, but the Hardy Boys will be in attendance. Both Jeff and Matt. Uh, broken, broken. Is it Broken Jeff now too, I think, right? Yes. Broken, bro- broken Jeff bro- and Brother broken, Nero. Broken Brother Nero and uh, Broken Matt. The Broken Matt stuff is obviously very entertaining, but uh, I think a rare New England appearance for... Uh, for the Hardy Boys, so that's Friday night, October the 21st, Fall River, Massachusetts, brownpapertickets.com, find Top Row Promotions on Facebook Rare opportunity details. to see them up close. Yes. Uh, the very next night, October the 22nd, Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling, South Hadley, Mass. Back in Western Mass. Yes, find Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling uh, on your uh, Facebook. And then for, uh, rounding on October, the Saturday night, the 29th, for Lucky Pro Wrestling, Clinton, Mass. LuckyProWrestling.com. Also find Lucky Pro Wrestling on Facebook for more details. All right. Bom, sounds, bom, bom. sounds like a big October for the Kingpin, but he can always do more. Brian Malonis at Comcast.net to email him for bookings, or you can DM him. Hit up the DMs. Slide in my DMs. Slide in. There you go. Holla at your boy. Yes, indeed. And he will come. Your boy needs bookings. (laughs) (laughs) He will entertain on your show. Okay. Before we get out of here, a special shout out to the podcast with little talent, but lots of extra belly fat. A man walks into an arm bar. BDA Radio's MMA podcast hosted by Chad Alden and Paul St. Emmett Jr. Subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, all that jazz, or find all the episodes on BDARadio.com. Now, be part of the wrestling podcast about nothing on every platform. Go to YouTube, search the WPAN, subscribe. Go to Facebook.com slash the WPAN and become a part of the Facebook community. The WPAN is on Instagram. New, unique, exclusive photos every day at the WPAN on Instagram. And don't forget, at the WPAN on Twitter. Those are our main haunts. And speaking of Twitter, follow our fine sponsor at BDA underscore radio. Follow the Kingpin at Brian Malonis. That's M-I-L-O-N-A-S. 
And me, I am at Croc Socks. That's C-R-O-C-K-S-O-X. The only way to spell socks, as Tony S. would say. Use the hashtag PDA for BDA and get a shout out on an upcoming show. Call us 401-584-WPAN. Leave a voicemail. Share your heel laugh with the world. And for all of your MMA and wrestling talk, log in to BDARadio.com. Okay, we will be back in one week next Monday with another episode of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. And until then... You, Brian, you're the Kingpin Brian Malonis. Yes, not to be confused with the Kingpin Dean Ambrose. No, I am Mike Crockett, not to be confused with Todd Sinclair. And thanks for nothing. <laughs>